You are listening to the Central Church Podcast. To learn more about Central Church, including our gathering times, visit us online at centralsanford.net. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17 is where we're going to spend our time uh, together this morning, and I hope you're making plans to join us uh, for our Thirst Conference, November 15th through the 18th. It's going to be a great, uh, a great time, and the Lord's going to use uh, powerfully in our church, and so I hope that you'll plan to be here. Uh, so Genesis 17, uh, as you turn there, um, I want you to think about this. So there are really two kinds of people in this world. Uh, there are those who like surprises, and there are those who don't. Um, and several years ago, I learned in kind of a difficult way that I'm one who doesn't like surprises. Um, so my birthday was coming up, and I started jokingly telling people, hey, I'm throwing myself a surprise birthday party, and you're invited. And so I would say this to my friends and people I worked with, and they would uh, laugh and giggle, whatever. Um, and so as my birthday's coming up, it's the weekend before my birthday, and my wife says, hey, uh, we are going to go over to some friend's house for dinner. Uh, and so that wasn't out of the ordinary, and so we load up, we go to our friends Brian and Ashley to their house, walk in the door, and there is everyone from my life in this room uh, yelling surprise at me. Um, and I didn't know what to do, right? I wasn't sure whether or not they were pranking me. I, I wasn't sure what was happening. But I learned in that moment that, that I'm not someone who necessarily loves surprises. I, I don't love surprise parties. I, I don't, uh, when Christmas comes, right, I, I don't want to unwrap the present. I just want it there under the tree so I can look at it and know, know what I'm getting, right? Maybe I'm impatient, whatever it may be. But surprises aren't for me. Now, here's the thing, right? The Bible is full of surprises. Uh, our God works in surprising ways regularly. And so as we look at Genesis 17, uh, we see this in a clear, clear way. We see that God's faithfulness is often surprising. That God is always faithful, but his faithfulness often comes to us. It's often displayed to us in surprising ways. And so we're going to look at this. We're going to see this in Genesis chapter 17. So let me invite you to stand as we honor the reading of God's perfect and precious word. Uh, we're going to read Genesis 17. We're going to read down to verse 8. The Spirit says to us this morning, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram. And he said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. This is God's word. You can be seated. Would you pray with me? Father, we're grateful that your word is true. Lord, we're grateful that you are a faithful God. You keep your promises. You keep your word. And so Lord, I pray this morning that, that we would see just how faithful you are. Father, we pray this and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
As we look at Genesis 17, uh, the first thing that we see is this, is a new name, right? We see a new name. And so the, this story of Abram, the story of Abraham, uh, whether it be here in Genesis 17 or whether it be uh, through the rest of the book of Genesis, this is really a story of God's faithfulness. Uh, this is the story of the way God has been faithful time and time again, even when Abraham is unfaithful. God stays faithful. And so in Genesis 17, we, we see this again. We see that, that God's faithfulness is often surprising. Now, where we pick up in Genesis 17, it's been 13 years since Abram has heard from the Lord. It's been 13 years since Ishmael was born. It's been 13 years since God has spoken. If we were to jump back to Genesis 15, we would see where God makes this covenant. He makes this promise to Abram. And now in Genesis 17, it's been years since Abram has heard a word. It's been years since Abram has heard anything from the Lord. I think sometimes we, we read the story of Abram and we think that, hey, he's in constant communication with God. He's, he's constantly hearing from God. That it, it must have been easy for Abram to be faithful because he's constantly hearing from the Lord. But what we see here is, is that's not the case. It's been silence for 13 years. And after 13 years, God reveals himself. Look at verse one. He says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God almighty. Abram hasn't heard from the Lord. He hasn't heard the Lord's voice in 13 years. And the first thing he hears is not hello. The first thing he hears is not Abram. The first thing he hears is I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. Some translations say it like this. I am God all sufficient. And really what's happening there is he's introducing himself as God Almighty. And what he's doing is he's setting the stage for everything he's about to say. He's setting the stage for everything he's about to do. He's reminding Abram that this covenant that was made in Genesis 15 and this covenant that is about to be renewed here in Genesis 17, that this can only happen because God is almighty, not because Abram is. Abraham can't make it happen. Abraham can't force it to come about, but God almighty can do whatever he pleases. So this covenant from Genesis 15, it's recalled and it's made more clear that Abram is to walk blameless before the Lord and the Lord will multiply him. And now what the, the author here is doing is he's, he's calling us to remember something. He's saying that Abram should walk before the Lord and that he should be blameless. And he's calling us to remember two characters in the story of Genesis that we've already met. First, Enoch, right? Enoch walked with God and he was not. Noah walked before the Lord and he was blameless. And so the Lord is telling Abraham, hey, you need to walk like your forefathers, right? You need to walk like those who have come before you. And Abraham, Abram will do these things and the Lord will give him and Sarah a son. And what's Abram's response? He falls on his face in humility because he can't believe that the Lord would do something like this for him. He falls on his face because he can't believe that God would choose to work through him in this way. And so then the Lord gives Abram a new name. He's no longer Abram. He's now Abraham, right? As Pastor Allen has told us, he goes from being daddy to being big daddy, right? He goes from being the father of the exalted father to being the father of a multitude, and so God is showing that he's about to do something great. He's a, about to keep his word from Genesis 15 in a surprising way. And the first way he shows this is with this new name, from Abram to Abraham. Uh, my wife, Anna, and I, we're expecting our fourth child. 
Uh, so our oldest is almost seven. And so really for seven years, we've kind of been in and out of this season where we're trying to name a baby. Right, and we all know that names are important, that names matter, and so we try to uh, to do some intentionality to really dig in to, to to decide what a good name would be, and and what we've decided to do is that we want all of our kids, uh, all of their names, to to have a connection to either someone from our family or someone from history, someone who has served the Lord faithfully, and so we name our kids based on the legacies and the ba- the past faithfulness of someone else. But what God does here is he gives Abraham a new name and he doesn't name him based on Abraham's past faithfulness. He doesn't name him based on what Abraham has done. No, he names him based on what God will do. Right, right. God is naming Abraham in a way here to show him that, look, it's not about what you have done. It's not because you've been so great. It's not because you've been so awesome. It's not because you've been so mighty. No, the reason I'm naming you Abraham, the reason that you're going to be the father of a multitude is because I am faithful and I can do it because I am God Almighty. That Abraham, I don't need you. I can do it without you. And just to show you that, I'm going to change your name so that you really get this. I think about that every time Abraham's name is called, he's reminded, right? He's reminded that God is faithful. He's reminded that God is true. He's reminded that God keeps his promises. See, the name change here is based on what God is going to do. Aren't you glad that God doesn't work based on our faithfulness? Aren't you glad that that God doesn't decide what he's going to do based on how faithful or unfaithful you and I have been? God promises to Abraham that he's going to work, not because Abraham has been so faithful or so mighty. No, God promises to do this because God is El Shaddai. He's God Almighty because he can do it if he wants to. Right? He, he can do it with or without Abraham being faithful. And we already know that, that Abram has failed the faithfulness test. Right? We already know that, that, that Abram has said, you know what, God has made this promise, but if this is really going to happen, then I'm going to have to take this into my own hands. I'm going to have to make this happen. See, in that moment, uh, Abraham in Genesis 16, he decides that he is going to be the Almighty One. And I wonder how often you and I, we try to be the almighty one. I wonder how often I try to be almighty Ethan. I wonder how often you try to be almighty you. Where We know that God has promised to be faithful. We know that God is good. We, we know that God keeps his word. We say we can trust God. But first, we try to control what we can control. We try to work our plan. And then once we've done all of that, then we'll wait for God to be faithful. See, being surprised by God's faithfulness is always better than my plan. Maybe you've experienced this in your life, right? Where you have a plan, you know exactly how things are going to go, and then they don't go that way. And you start to question, Lord, what is happening? What's going on? And then suddenly you're surprised by God's faithfulness. I think that we're living in the middle of this right now, right? We're living in the middle of 2020. I think all of us are ready for 2021, right? We're all ready to get through this year. This has been a rough, difficult year. You know, my plans for 2020 didn't look anything like the way 2020 has turned out. 
We have big plans to do big things, and then suddenly we're hit with a pandemic. And suddenly, we begin questioning what's going to happen, what, what are we going to do, how are we going to handle this, does God know what's going on? And in the middle of this, God proves over and over and over again that he is faithful and his faithfulness is surprising. He proves over and over and over again that he can be trusted. You know, as a, as a pastor, there, there were a lot of questions going into the pandemic on what's going to happen to churches. What is the Lord going to do? And, and when you think about what the Lord is doing here at Central, in the middle of a pandemic, we baptized over 50 people this year. In, in the middle of a pandemic, we have people joining our church. In the middle of a pandemic, uh, we're able to celebrate all that God is doing. And even when we feel like maybe we're wondering where God is, we can celebrate that even in the middle of this, God's faithfulness has surprised us over and over and over again. And the good news is, is that God's faithfulness is going to keep surprising us because there's no quota on how faithful God can be. All right, that's good news for us today. See, God's faithfulness is often surprising. In Genesis 17, first we see a new name. Next, we see this, a new sign, a new sign. Every covenant that God makes in the Bible comes with a sign. So we think about God's covenant with Noah comes with the sign of the rainbow. God's covenant with Moses comes with the sign of the Sabbath. The new covenant comes with the sign of uh, baptism. This covenant's no different. This covenant has a specific sign, and that sign was to remind God's people that he's faithful, and his faithfulness is often surprising. We look at verses 10 through 13, and we, we see this sign introduced. Look with me at verse 10. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Now, circumcision wasn't something new in the ancient world. In fact, it was practiced pretty widely amongst different cultures and different peoples. It wasn't unfamiliar. In fact, the Philistines were thought to be strange and barbaric because they didn't practice circumcision. And in the ancient world, in most of these cultures, circumcision was a rite of passage from a boy becoming a man. But what we see here is God takes it and he changes the meaning. And so now it's no longer the sign of a boy becoming a man, but now it's the sign of God's covenant. And, it, and it's, not, it's not put off until the boy becomes a man, but now it's given to every male when they're eight days old as a sign that they are part of God's covenant people, as a sign that they belong to the Lord. And, and typically it's right about this point in Genesis when we start asking, well, why circumcision? right? Why, why couldn't the Lord just say, hey, get an earring, right? Uh, get a tattoo, dye your hair, something like that. Why circumcision? Circumcision is gross, right? It's bloody. It's gory. It's personal. To be honest with you, I wasn't really excited about having to say circumcision as many times as I knew I was going to have to this morning. It, it makes us uncomfortable, 
It's not something that we, we talk about in polite conversation. But see, circumcision is a picture. Circumcision is a picture of the consequences of sin and of breaking the covenant. See, sin is gross. Sin is personal. The payment for sin is gory and bloody. And so circumcision was a reminder to Israel that if they broke the covenant, if they refused to live according to God's promise and God's instruction to them, then they would be cut off. They would be removed from God's people. And so then maybe we ask this question, okay, well, what about today? Right? We know that, that now we live under a new covenant. We live uh, on the other side of the cross. We live on the other side of Jesus. And so, so what does the Bible have to say about circumcision now? Because we know that, that this practice was carried on through the rest of the Old Testament. We could run there and we could see uh, the different passages where this is talked about. But, but what about now? What does the New Testament have to say about circumcision? See, Acts 15, the, the Jerusalem Council, the, the early church comes together and they start asking a question that maybe is uh, the most ridiculous question that's ever been asked. They start asking this, can God actually save Gentiles? Can God actually do that? And, and once they decide, yes, God can in fact save Gentiles, well, then they begin to question, okay, well, well, what does this mean for Gentiles? That means that they have to be circumcised, right? And then James, he stands up and he says, no, that circumcision is no longer required, that we live under the new covenant. But there's still this circumcision language all through the New Testament. See, if we were to look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, we would see that circumcision is no longer with hands, but it's of the heart. And what the Apostle Paul says there is that circumcision is now, the circumcision of the heart is now pictured through baptism. So the promise and the sign given to Abraham was a promise and a sign ultimately fulfilled in Christ. See, ultimately Christ fulfills that promise because here's what happened, right? In our place, Christ was cut off. Right, Christ was, was crucified, he was hung on a tree, he was buried, and he rose again three days later. He took the punishment for sin so that you and I wouldn't have to, and so now the sign that we take is baptism because our baptism pictures that we have been buried with Christ and we've been raised to new life. See, it's about a heart issue, it's, it's no longer a flesh issue. If we were to go back to Acts 15, the, the new covenant sign is baptism, and the evidence of this circumcised heart is a life changed by the gospel. So in the new covenant, baptism is the sign, and life change is the proof. If we were to go to Acts 15, and those two verses, verses 19 and 20, we would see where James tells us that that this circumcised heart, the way it looks is by resisting sexual immorality, from fleeing from idolatry. In other words, it's, it's seen in fighting for holiness. That's what a circumcised heart looks like. And that's what this passage is pointing us to, right? This passage is pointing us to Jesus, who ultimately is the one who accomplishes and who fulfills and who satisfies all of these requirements, and so this new sign that God has given to Abraham and is now fulfilled in Christ for us, it's a surprising sign of his faithfulness. And so we've got this new name and we've got this new sign. And finally, we see this, the same promise. We, we have an, a new name and a new sign, but we have the same promise. In Genesis 17, there's a lot of new. 
There's new names. God introduces himself in a new way as El Shaddai, as God Almighty. Abram is given a new name. Now he becomes Abraham. What we're going to see here in just a minute is that Sarah receives a new name. She goes from Sarai to being Sarah. We have this new sign of circumcision that's introduced here. But here's the thing. We still have the same promise. See, God is showing Abraham and he's showing us that his faithfulness is often surprising. Look at verse 15. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. And see, what's happening here in chapter 17 is God is repeating his covenant that he made with Abraham in chapter 15, but he's adding some color to it, right? He's putting it in high definition. I, I'll never forget the first time I watched a football game in high definition thinking like, we have arrived, right? This is how the Lord meant us to watch football. So that's what, that's what the Lord is doing here with this covenant. He's, he's putting some pictures, some color into it. He, he's making it come alive in high definition. He's showing how this is going to work. But really what's happening here is this is the exclamation point on the surprising faithfulness of God. Abraham is 99, Sarah is 90, and God is telling them that he's not forgotten the covenant that he made with them all those years ago. We see that Abraham, the first time he falls on his face in humility, but now he falls on his face in laughter. He falls on his face in disbelief. And we might think, right, Abraham, what are you doing? The Lord's talking to you. But if someone were to come to you at 99 years old and tell you that you were going to have a child, you might question as well, right? Right. like I said, we're expecting our fourth child. I'm only 30. But when Anna said, hey, I'm pregnant, I remember thinking, ah, right? I want to fall on my face and laugh. It's 2020. All of these things are happening. But see, God isn't fulfilling his promise to Abraham the way that he might have imagined. See, Abraham couldn't have imagined that, that this is the way that God was going to keep his promise. That, that at 99 years old, Sarah at 90, that this is the way God is going to keep his promise. This is the way God is going to keep his covenant. That he's going to give them a newborn at 100 years old. See, this isn't the way Abraham might have imagined it, but this is the way God had planned it all along. This is good news for us. That God might not work on our timeline. He, he might not do it the way we would have imagined. But here's the key. He is always faithful. We never have to wonder whether or not God will keep his word. We can always and only trust that God is good. That God is faithful. And that he is working for us. And that is good news for us today. 
Abram falls on his face in disbelief. He, he laughs. He doesn't believe that a man as old as he is and a, a woman as old as Sarah is could actually have children. But what he learns quickly is that God's faithfulness is often surprising. And here's the thing. Isn't it just like our God to work that way? Isn't it just like him to do exactly what he said he would do in a way that we don't see coming? Isn't it exactly like him to keep his word, but to keep his word in a way that we never could have imagined? See, here's the thing, that God is always faithful, but oftentimes his faithfulness looks different than what we could have imagined. Here's the thing, it is always better than what we could have dreamed. God's faithfulness is always better than what we could have dreamed. The way that God is faithful is always better than what you had designed. It's always better than what I might have imagined because God is always good. God is always perfect and God is always right. I can tell you story after story of my own life of where God's faithfulness has not looked the way that I thought it would. His faithfulness in my life has oftentimes been different. It's oftentimes looked different. It's oftentimes been on a different timetable. It's oftentimes been in a different way than what I would have imagined. But here's the thing. He has always been faithful. Now, I'm 30 years old, and and that's not that old to some of you. For me, it feels older every day, right? But, But as I look back over my life, I can't point to a single instance and say God wasn't faithful there. I can't point to a single moment and say that God didn't keep his word, that God didn't keep his promise. No, in every area of my life and what I guarantee in every area of your life, God has been faithful. The the ones who have been unfaithful in my relationship with the father has never been him. It's always been me. God's faithfulness is always surprising and it's always better. Abraham had 13 years of silence. Then El Shaddai, God Almighty speaks. And he says, remember that covenant I made with you? Remember that thing that I said? I haven't forgotten. Watch what I'm going to do. He shows up and he says, remember that covenant. Remember that thing that I said to you. I I haven't forgotten that. Now watch what I'm going to do. And here's the thing. Our God says the same thing to me and you today. That he hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten us, that he's going to be faithful. He's going to keep his word. We only need to trust him. See, God's faithfulness is often surprising. For Abraham, God's faithfulness included a new name and a a new sign, but it was still the same promise. Maybe, Maybe today you feel like God has forgotten you. Maybe today you feel like you have been abandoned by the Lord. Maybe, maybe there's a hope that you had for this year or for last year or for some point in your life. There was a hope that you had and you feel like God never gave that to you. Maybe there was a dream. Maybe there was a desire. Maybe there was something that you wanted or something that you longed for, something that you believe the Lord had placed on your heart and it never happened. It, it never came true. It, it, it was never given to you. And, and maybe you feel like God has forgotten you. Maybe you feel like God is blessing everyone else other than you. You feel like God has been faithful to everyone but me. 
You see, today God is reminding us, he's, he's reminding you that he has not forgotten you. He is always faithful and you can always trust him. See, God doesn't forget his people. God doesn't forget his promises. We can trust him. And see, you and I aren't the only ones who, who maybe have felt forgotten by God. God made this promise to Abraham to make him a great nation to make him the father of kings, to, to give him an eternal inheritance in the land. But if you keep reading through the Old Testament, then what you see happen is you see God reestablish this covenant with David. And then you see Israel be unfaithful and disobedient and attacked and eventually cast into exile and they lose the land. But at the right time, God sends Jesus, who's born of a virgin, to surprise his people. Right? Jesus is the crucified and resurrected victorious king, and he secures the, the eternal inheritance that God had always promised for his people. See, Jesus is what Genesis 17 is talking about. Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise. Second Corinthians tells us that all of God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. See, God's faithfulness might surprise us. But here's the thing. He's always faithful. He's always good. He's always right. And so maybe this morning you need to experience his faithfulness for the first time. Maybe, maybe this morning uh, you need to say, hey, I need to know a faithful God like that. I need to trust a faithful God like that. Maybe you say, hey, I'm, I'm just questioning, is God faithful? Maybe you say, hey, hey I'm, I'm wondering, is, is God going to be faithful to me? Maybe you say, I feel like God hasn't been faithful. I need to talk to someone. I need to pray with someone. Here's what we're going to ask you to do. I've got a, a number that's going to come up on the screen. And ask you to, to send a text uh, to that number and just tell us, hey, how can we pray for you? How can we walk with you? How can we come alongside you and help you with whatever the Lord is doing in your life? That number is 407-338-4024. Be our great privilege to be able to come alongside you and to show you and to remind you that God has been faithful, God is faithful, and God will be faithful. So would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for your grace and your mercy today. Lord, we're grateful that you are good and you are faithful to us and that even though your faithfulness may oftentimes be surprising, it is always better than what we could have imagined. It's always better than what our plan or our dream was. And so, Father, we pray this morning that we could rest in this truth, knowing that in Jesus Christ, you have been completely faithful. You haven't forgotten your people and you will not forget us. And so, Father, I, I pray this morning for, for those who are here who, who need to taste your goodness and your faithfulness for the first time. Those who are here who, who need to believe and who need to trust in the good news that Jesus has come, Jesus has died, and because of that, we can live. Father, I pray that they would do that, whether they're here or watching online. Father, I pray for, for those who are here this morning who, who just need to be encouraged that you are faithful, 
who need to be reminded that you always keep your word. Father, I pray that your spirit would come and your spirit would encourage their hearts. And that by your spirit, you would remind them that you are always faithful, you are always trustworthy, and you are always dependable. And so, Father, we pray that you would do even now what only you can do. Let's apply your word to our hearts. It's in Jesus' name. Thank you again for listening to the Central Church Podcast. For more information on how to take your next step, visit us online at centralsanford.net.